Hello everyone, I'm Ellis Traub and this is Money, Business and More. I have a special treat for you today. I'm sitting here with a gentleman who is one of the foremost people in the cybersecurity business in our state or country. He's had so much experience doing all of this stuff. He's had experience uh, through the military and through his own education. And because cybersecurity is one of the most important things in our business world today, I felt it would be useful for me to be able to share some of this information with you and see if he can help me provide you listeners with information that would be useful and helpful for you to conduct your business. So I'd like to introduce Carl Norris. He is the CEO of Duralark, which is a company whose primary field has been in the medical records business, because that's a very vulnerable place to operate. Uh, but he is well-versed in all phases and all parts of it. Carl, hello. Happy to have you with us today. Hi, Ellis. Thank you for the invitation, and I'm flattered by the introduction. Well, that's great. Carl, tell me something. How did you get started in this business to begin with? What interested you in it? Nobody ever asks me that question, but I'll be happy to share it with you. <laughs> well, I just did. <laughs> I had a, an accounting company in Tampa, and we were just beginning to put up our website, and somebody hacked our website and started moving our website around, and we lost control of our website. Oh, boy. In the process of that, it was quite interesting to do the due diligence to find it again and get control of it again, which we did. In the process of doing that, the business had grown so much that I had decided to sell it and to find something else to do. And it was a timing issue that someone from Checkpoint Software knew me and said, look, I know what you did to find that website that had been lost. Why don't you think about coming to work with us at Checkpoint Software because we do firewalls. So I started out selling my business and then going to work for Checkpoint software, and I had the ability to work around Florida and outside of Florida into the Caribbean. So I've got international experience, and I saw how the rest of the world was really working. So it was an eye-opening experience from the time that we found that our website was missing until the time that I started seeing how the rest of the world was working. Well, it's one thing to be able to see a need. And it's another thing to prepare yourself for, to meet that need. How did you go about uh, getting the knowledge and the information that uh, you needed to do that? It was certainly more than just uh, writing code for firewalls. So originally my background is accounting. So when you apply accounting to the same methodology of forensics and cybersecurity, they actually align quite nicely. Um, you're looking at a lot of data. You're looking at a lot of false positives. You're looking for positive falseness and to get to what you're really trying to protect. So what you're really trying to protect is your information. Right. It could be gained by how you find and define a numbering system, such as a GL number. It could be an account number. It could be a financial statement number understanding how those numbers are configured to make sure that someone doesn't gain access to them, that doesn't have the proper authentication to be able to do that, is the core of what we've found to do. Because I have that background, it was easy for me to make that intellectual leap between how traffic works on a network 
to how someone gets the information, basically robs you from it. Well, of course, the idea of a, a firewall is to have somebody, a hacker, uh, uh, unable to enter your system and get past it. But uh, there's there's a lot more. How do they know what they want to find? Well, here, here's a here's a basic question as an individual. I mean, I'm sitting there with a bank account. I'm sitting here with things that uh, are important to me. But of course, my my mindset as well. I'm just a little guy. Nobody's going to be interested in what I have. Now, why should I not have that point of view? That's an okay point of view to have uh, if you have nothing to risk at all. So if you don't have any money, if you don't have any intellectual property, if you don't have any customers to protect, then that's okay. That's a matter of a risk assessment. But if you do have finances and you do have intellectual property that you make money off of that's unique to you, and you do have customers that have to be compliant with regulatory and governmental issues, then yes, you do have to be aware. And it's more really now than just a firewall. Firewalls can be very porous, or you can go around firewalls. Or not all the information is not is protected by the firewall because the information is in the cloud. And folks have access to that information remotely from home, from the office, from the road. So when you look at cybersecurity, firewalls are important. But you have to understand that protecting the information goes far beyond just the firewall. Oh, I would, I would think so. Now, if I'm not mistaken, we're moving toward having all information on the cloud. We're moving so that, so that the, the spigot from which that information flows is going to be commercially, professionally uh, uh, protected by people like you who are going to build a firewall around it or build some other structure around it that would keep people from penetrating it. So we're looking at the, at the space between the cloud and the individual user. And the firewall, of course, exists on the user's, uh, the user's device or whatever. And so how much activity is there in, in the domain between the cloud and that firewall on the individual device? So what you want to think about is if there were a way to put a firewall between the cloud and the user, put a firewall between the user's device, maybe his mobile phone, and the information that's on the phone or that could connect to the phone, the same way with his laptop, computer if he's traveling, the same that you would do traditionally at an office to have the firewall there. We call it a neuro network. It's a smart, intelligent network that basically, if you want to use the analogy of a heartbeat, that each one of those particular devices has information that they share, and it's constantly communicated to a brain. So that ultimately, when you try to monitor it and know what's going on, you're looking at a single pane of glass, regardless of how many people, how many places, how many pieces of information are floating around. We can even track it down to the derivative of a spreadsheet to ensure security. Who are the potential enemies here? There's a lot. There's a lot of energy in enemies if you want to look at it like that. It could be um, we see a lot of competitive companies here who actually will use industrial espionage 
to find out more information about their competition. And they can do it based on the research they do publicly. But if they want to really take something, sometimes there's doors that are open or it's so easy to get to that it's not uncommon, you know, to go in and try to take that information. Just like at one point in time, people used lawsuits to make money and they would sue someone just because they could sue someone. Well, now they hack someone just because they can hack someone. And if you don't pay someone to see if you can be hacked, you don't know what your competition or someone who really wants to get in could do. So that's one. Another one could be a rogue state. It could be from coming from outside of the United States. It could be that your code was written in India where they don't have a lot of security. And when you post your code up, then it could literally give them a backdoor to the internet through an open port that they can come and go as they please. And they look like they're you. So we call them actors because they're not you. They're acting like you. And you can't detect what they're doing or where it's going unless you understand how to monitor file systems. So there's a lot behind the scenes that goes on more than just an antivirus that people think or a modem that people think protects them. If you've got something to protect, you really need to talk to somebody who is a cyber guy who can explain it to you from a business perspective, even not just a technology perspective. It's both business and technology. Let's take a small break and we'll be right back. Did you know that you have access to a personal mentor to help you with your business issues? Whether you're starting a new business or trying to improve the way an existing business runs, you'll find them at SCORE.org. This is the website for SCORE, the Service Corps of Retired Executives. It's an arm of the U.S. Small Business Administration and consists of thousands of volunteers in more than 300 cities across the United States. And the best part is that their services are offered at no cost to you. At SCORE.org, you can enter your zip code and find a list of local mentors, each showing his or her areas of expertise. And you can schedule your own appointment at a convenient time and location. SCORE also offers a variety of regular workshops presented by professionals in their fields. You can see a current schedule of those events and pre-register on the spot. Some general classes are offered free of charge, while others have a modest fee, which is usually discounted for pre-registration. Check it out! Score is the place to go to find someone whose experience may be just what you need. I think in dealing with business people, and that was going to be my next question, as a business person, because the bulk of our listeners are people who are starting a business or people who are trying to enhance the way they manage an existing business, so I run a bookstore. How important is it to uh, uh, do more than just put in a, a, a uh, an antivirus or something like that? And it could be that if all you're doing is running a bookstore, antivirus is probably enough. It could be. There's not a lot of risk at running a, a bookstore. If, let's say, for instance, you were protecting books of antiquity and someone wanted to do harm to those one-of-a-kind devices, then you might look at it a little differently. So it's a matter of degree. It is. There's a scale. So uh, where do you fit on that scale? Okay, and uh, and so I guess it boils down to value to you and the value to the other person, and so the higher the value. 
Correct. And what happens is a lot of people think that putting in security is going to cost them money. Um, it is an investment, but if you look at what you get from that investment, you get a lot of intelligence, you get a lot of insight into what your users are doing and what someone's trying to do with your users, and it's there. And with, you know, products, you can actually see it, and they're not that expensive. So for a small business to start out and do something like this, it might be a couple of thousand dollars, which sounds like a lot when you're starting a small business. But once your business starts to roll, then putting in something that monitors, that protects your business for it to continue to grow and grow for a long time, and then you have a backbone that you can build on. So as the business grows and you do something else, then you've got something that can be easily expanded. The cost at that point in time becomes minimal. To the return. Well, sure. I mean, the, the point is that it depends, again, on how much you have to lose, how much it's worth it to you to protect it. What is the state of viruses now? This isn't somebody that's deliberately trying to attack or invade your system and get information. These are rogues out there who have nothing better to do than try and mess up people's systems. What's the status of that now? Is that well enough protected with proprietary uh, products? Or is that something that we still need to pay a mind to? It's something that you have to pay a mind to. And it's not just viruses. Viruses are there that do malicious damage. What people really need to be aware of is phishing and how people can get through to the network. Because if they can get through to the network, then they can basically own your company. And it's not that difficult to do. The guys that are on the phishing side of this world with the products that they're building are very sophisticated and they're very well funded because they have one task and that's to get you. And their products are very evolutionary. They do better jobs of building attacks than we do at building defenses. So yesterday, for instance, I saw that they are now using stenographer technology to inject a phishing scan into a picture. So as soon as that email is delivered, opened up, and you look at the picture, then the actual deployment of the agent happens on that device. And from there, they can take over that device without your knowledge. Once they get that knowledge, then if you don't have proper security on that device, they can take over the network within about 10 to 20 minutes. That's just by virtue of opening a picture, a graphic on your email? It's a stenographer technique. Yes. Uh, you don't have to click on anything. Or they could make it look like there's a hair on a screen, and when you go to swipe that hair off the screen, it actually launches. I mean, they're getting very, very sophisticated. Well, how do you protect against that sort of thing? Well, you have to have things that actually monitor what they're trying to get to. So if you keep track of files that are important to you, you protect those files. So there can be a firewall at the perimeter, which would protect you at the internet. But you also often have what's called a um, internal firewall, which would be a web firewall, or an application firewall would be a better description of it. The application firewall then monitors the application. 
So if someone tries to get into it, they find that they're doing something behaviorally that they've never done before, it flags it. Okay, and products to do this uh, are up to date and they're available commercially. And they functionally work. We've actually stopped many attacks before they were ever launched. That didn't mean that they didn't get on the computer. It just means that they were not able to communicate back. They were stopped and removed before any damage was... So the occurred. communication is uh, either way. It's in inbound or outbound. And, and either way, it uh, protects you. Is that it? That is it. How would you go about, if I'm a businessman and I want to, go, uh, I want to obtain that protection, what would I search for? What would I look for online? Good question, because cybersecurity is so broad um, yeah. You don't really know where to start if you don't have anything. Or if your network people or the person that you use for IT doesn't really have a, a strong understanding of cyber, um, then that might be a weakness as well. So I encourage everyone to get a second opinion. And transparency becomes the key. You know, because my background is accounting, we're used to someone coming in and doing an audit and looking at what we've done. Uh -huh. In IT, that is not the practice. That's an uncommon practice. But if you have another cybersecurity company come in and evaluate what you're doing, you're going to get a much better you know, idea of where to start and what you need to do based on where your highest risks are. So I would say that if you don't have a, an IT person, get someone who has cyber experience. Get them to call me. Okay, well, the other uh, thing was, is, that was my next question here. You know, find uh, somebody who does know cyber and well, if somebody wanted, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you to do that, how would they do that? They can uh, call us. We're easy. Well, so tell me, nine, just five, say who it is. Carl, Carl Norris, K A R L N O R R I S. Uh huh. At our company is called Duo Lark. It's D U O L A R K, and you can reach us at duolark.com. Or you can just give us a call here in South Florida, 954-324-3478. Well, I would like to thank you very much. It's been a very informative and a pleasant interview with you, Carl. I always enjoy talking with you. Thank you, Ellis. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again one of these days. And thank you so much for your help. Great questions. Thank <laughs> you, sir. You bet.